Warning, Spinning on Two Wheels contains language, themes, and references that are inappropriate for the ears of children, sensitive grandparents, and public forums. Headphone use is recommended. Hey y'all, I'm Peggy, the kick-ass knitter. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm yarned, a little dangerous, and definitely bad to the bone. Grab your knitting and throw open the throttle. It's time to kickstart this episode of Spinning on Two Wheels. Hey, y'all! Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my new listeners out there, and welcome, welcome, welcome back, all my lovely returning listeners. This is episode 34 of Spinning on Two Wheels, and uh, I came up with this episode theme and title whilst driving back from South Carolina uh, three weeks ago. I knew I wanted to do this episode as soon as I had to make corrections to the Funhouse socks, but that's a later part of this show. Let's get into it. Today's episode is being recorded on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I wanted to record yesterday, but that just wasn't going to happen. So I guess you don't have to hear my rendition of my favorite children's band, The Hullabaloos. Was it The Hullabaloos? No, The Hullabaloos did the sippy cup one. Anyway, there's a cute... No, I think it is the Hullabaloos. Yeah, the Hullabaloos and uh, their Halloween song. But I'll put it, I'll put it in the outtake track, which is available on Patreon. Oh shit, episode, right! Today's episode will include a quick life on the road update, fashionably riding, open throttle, a stall, out or two, and a deep dive. So punch into gear and let's roll on. Everyone knows that life can make for a bumpy ride. When it gets tough or impacts the show, I want to let you know. So whether it's a detour, rest stop, or unplanned off-roading, let's have a little chat about life on the road. Two things. Two things real fast, I promise. Thing one, eons ago in September, I mentioned some house repair slash reno things as part of the difficulty I had recording new episodes over the summer. Since that is getting back in the swing of things again, I think that those projects officially meet the criteria for talking about here in Life on the Road. Uh, because it has and likely will affect the recording and release of podcast episodes. So first, the fun one. Uh, Husbando and I had been kicking around the idea of renovating one of the bathrooms in our home. It was wildly outdated and all done up in like this pinky taupe color that I absolutely hated. And we'd been talking about this 
for a number of years, I should, I should add. Now, Husbando is very much the type to have a capital P plan before starting any kind of anything. And I am... I am not. And that's a different segment. Well, we started the renovation, I think, technically back in 2018, when I couldn't stand the wallpaper a second longer. And uh, we picked it up again this summer. The old vanity, the tiling, the tub removal, all of the, the deconstruction parts went fairly quickly. But of course, as happens with home projects, we found plenty of issues to fix before we could move on to the reconstruction parts. Like replacing the floor, the walls around the tub, etc., etc. And that's kind of where we're at. Installing new tile. Uh, some grout work still needs to be done. A little bit of the new work's been done. Yay! But it's never as easy as undoing the old stuff. Isn't that how it goes? And then, thing two. So the first part was the, like, fun reno. Renos are optional. Thing two is the emergency home repairs. So the emergency home repairs that I mentioned several episodes ago are actually at a townhouse owned by my folks. Now, I was forewarned that rental work at this property would be happening over the summer. We were prepared for it to start in June. It started in August. I was forewarned that rental work would be happening there this summer, but I was led to believe that I could expect lighter work. Painting and cleaning, mostly, akin to, like, freshening up a bit. Well, what we found included, but was not limited to, massive holes in drywall, mold, damaged and twisted window frames, water damage on almost every level under carpeting or floor, uh, mystery water damage with no water source that we still can't figure out. Flooding, burns, cigarette smoke like sludge on walls. Uh, we found subfloor in need of replacement, large appliances that were gasping, leaking, or otherwise non-functioning. And that was, that's far more than a freshening up, which is fine. It's just not what we were expecting. And that has been uh, throughout August and September, and it remains uh, an all-hands-on-deck type situation. So if and when Audio Man and I can help out there, we have been between late August and now. We actually, between late August and now, most if not all of the issues have been repaired. It, the work isn't quite over yet, though. For example, still got to tear up old flooring and lay new flooring in the basement. But the adhesive that's holding those tiles on is old and brittle and looks like it's going to come up fairly easy according to the tests I've already performed. So, that's good. Yeah, it just... It can be a lot. It can be a lot. 
And if anyone else in, in the world or in the listening audience has ever had like consistently wet subflooring, but there was no water source around, let me know what it turned out to be because I would love to solve this mystery. Anyway, let's roll on to fashionably riding. While riding gear is important, wearing handmade gear is more fun. Riding while fashionable is the best way to show your colors and show off your skills. This is how I've been fashionably riding through life. These sweaters, the sweaters, these sweaters, the sweaters have officially been brought back out. I was asked on a Zoom call this morning, hey, did you make that sweater? Yes. Yes, I did. This is my magic sweater that I am wearing right now, and I have been wearing it a number of times in the morning. And the project details for this sweater will be in the show notes, which are available on the show's website, twowheelspodcast.com. And uh, its nickname, the magic sweater, it was given because it made the small children that I used to look out for, it used to make them fall asleep whether they wanted to or not. Usually, on those mornings, when tiny humans sometimes stay up all night and just can't settle, yeah, hand the kid over, right on the shoulder, right on the wool, out in five. It wasn't me, it was the sweater. It's magic. Let's get some more knitting magic and cruise right along to the next segment, but first this message. This episode brought to you by Gage Rage. Gage! When you're knitting and you just can't get Gage. Gage Rage. This is Open Throttle, getting you up to speed on my current projects. The Layette Pieces for the Stylist. Blocked so nicely. I wanted to mention here that I am... I am so happy with the way that they came out post-blocking. I have been adding trim along the neckline and leg holes of the campus onesie. But that, that is going to be in a different segment. Because that has caused some, um, some stalls. Next up in open throttle, the larger needle size of the Funhouse socks. From Operation Sock Drawer, what, what, is making this sock knit up like a cool summer breeze. I slightly changed how I hold the yarns for this sock to bring out the pattern a little better, which got us the theme and title of today's episode. Yes, it did. But that does mean that I occasionally have had to do some corrective work. But that is another segment. So I'm going to roll on to that segment right after this. This episode is brought to you by our best friends. You know, the non-fiber obsessed ones who think we work magic with string. May they forever be impressed with our stitch craft. Motorcycles choke out. Yarn makes tangles. Sometimes you have to drop out of gear, restart the engine, and figure out what the hell happened before you get back on the road. 
Welcome to Stalled. Oh boy. Let's start from the top, shall we? I'll keep things in order by sharing some frustrations with the campus onesie first. When I first started this onesie, I knew I was going to use a magnetic closure for the crotch. And I stand by that plan because it is brilliant. So I added a little panel of stockinette stitch at the cast-on, which happens to be the crotch area, because it is a bottom-up created garment. Go me! Planning for shit! Hell yeah! Uh, Planning for shit, literal shit, and also, like, knitting shit. But if I had read ahead in the directions more carefully, who does that? No, who do I would have found the instructions to add a section of ribbing along the leg increases and cast-on area. Whoops. The problem is, if I just added the ribbing along the leg holes and attach it to the stockinette panel that I, in my genius moment, added myself, that would leave a seam at the inner leg And that could be really uncomfortable for baby and or like pinch or snap under a diaper that that seems like a bad idea. And going around the stockinette panel with a ribbing section moves the crotch attachment points to like the back of the butt and the hip line. And that basically negates any functionality of a fucking baby onesie. Like, the whole point of a crotch opening is you're supposed to be able to just whoop, whoop, pull apart and change a diaper without having to completely undress your kid so they can stay, you know, warm in their cuddly little woolly thing or comfortable. I know plenty of small kids and babies who just, like, don't like naked time. They're like, nope, clothes are comfortable. I don't like being naked. And I know plenty of babies and little kids who are like, naked time, woo, and will pull off all of their clothes whenever they can. I get it. You do you. We just gotta have clothes on while we're outside because Miss Peggy is not getting arrested for this. But yeah, having, like, the front of the onesie wrap around all the way to the back of the butt means you can't actually just, like, lift up the hips and undiaper change. It, it, what is the point, then? In removing the stockinette panel that I added and doing the ribbing section as the pattern calls for doesn't leave enough space along that ribbing panel section button band type thing, if you will. It doesn't leave enough space for the magnets to be attached via grow grain ribbon sandwich technique. So what? What is one to do? The solution I have come up with was to remove the stockinette panel that I added and use short row shaping to create extra width at the center of the ribbing panel to accommodate the ribbon magnet sandwich that will be added there. But none, none of this would have happened if I had just read the instructions more carefully instead of getting distracted by the brilliance of magnets. 
and the funhouse socks have had to be tinked. That's knit, K-N-I-T, spelled backwards, T-I-N-K, tinked, 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 I say, several times, like more than five, to make sure that the changes to how I hold the yarn that I implemented at the start of re-knitting this sock is properly applied. The corrections are usually quite small, only having to tink back about half a row at most. So it's usually just a, oh, dang it, back, 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 yeah, fix, done. And I chose to change up how I am holding the yarns based on which color is meant to be the background color to play up the topic of this episode's deep dive segment, dominance, which we will get to right after this. This episode brought to you by Deathwish Coffee. They aren't sponsoring the podcast. They aren't paying me to say this, but without it, I'd be asleep. So, Deathwish Coffee, literally the reason I am able to make this podcast. Do you ever get lost in thought or start learning about the minutia of how something works and time just disappears? Does that happen with your knitting? Well, I'm glad it's not just me. Hold on tight while I take us in depth on all kinds of crafty topics on this episode's Deep Dive. Have you ever done specifically stranded color knitwork and thought to yourself that it just isn't as striking as the pattern picture? Maybe the design itself just kind of fades into the background despite, despite being a wild or loud color then you, my friend, you may have struggled with today's deep dive topic, dominance. And I'm talking about yarn dominance. Get your minds out of the gutter to horny jail with all of you. Yarn dominance is most readily visible in two-color stranded color work. There are plenty of pictures online, and I will link to a very brief interweave knitting online article with some picture examples that very, very clearly show color dominance in a black and white swatch. And sometimes, sometimes yarn dominance kind of runs in the face of some color theory that I learned way back in art classes, where like light colors... Our eyes and brains tend to perceive light colors like white as foreground and big. But yarn dominance can kind of mess with some of that. So I I think it's really cool and it's not exactly intuitive to me at first. But it is also a subject I need to tackle for the Master Hand Knitting Program Level 2, specifically the wristlet. And uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it with all y'all. Yarn dominance is the theory by which a knitter can determine the main color versus contrasting color of stranded color work. In two color stranded color work, one of the yarns will be traveling along the wrong side of the knitting for a longer 
distance than the other. All right, the slight, slight difference in tension between the two yarns shows itself on the right side of the work, with one color appearing to have slightly larger stitches and the other color slightly smaller stitches. Now, the slightly larger stitches become known as the dominant color and pop more. And the difference in tension is caused by that slight difference in the distance traveled along the wrong side of the work. So the yarn that travels longer is the background. Usually, in two-color, stranded color work, the yarn that is held lowest is the dominant color. And I'm going to get into why. As the knit stitches are created on the needles, yarn is pulled along the bottom of what will become that stitch, and it's looped over the needle, and it pops back through the stitch below it at the bottom of the stitch you just created, right? It goes bottom, top, over bottom. Therefore, the yarn that is already at the bottom of the stitches has less far to travel to make a new stitch. Whereas the yarn at the top has to be first brought down over the other yarn and then looped up around the needle and back down through the rest of the stitch and then back up to where it belongs. That extra space that the top yarn has to travel takes up yarn and makes the stitches ever so slightly smaller. This is why many knitting patterns that use stranded color work techniques caution the knitter to never cross the streams and not flip-flop which yarn is being held where. Because suddenly using the background color as the dominant color kills the intended design. It just murders it. Now the way that I keep my colors straight is I hold my background color, the non-dominant color, in my right hand as I knit. Pro tip, I'm also right-handed, so the non-dominant color goes in the dominant hand, which is just confusing. But we'll get there. As I am a pick knitter, usually, I tend to hold my normal tension in my left hand. But any knitting method that involves throwing the working yarn, i.e. holding the tension in the right hand for right-handed people, invariably puts that yarn on top or over any yarn held in the left hand. And any yarn held in the left hand of right-handed knitters will invariably be below and become the dominant color. So the yarn that I want to pop, I just hold normally. Now, Applying yarn dominance theory, correctly or incorrectly, can make a world of difference in the finished object. I'd like to circle back to my previous murder comment. With regard to the Funhouse socks, I made a decision to implement yarn dominance theory to both the front half and back half of the socks. The pattern for Funhouse socks is written such that the background color on the front of the socks 
becomes the pattern color on the back of the socks. Mm-hmm. So to fully apply yarn dominance theory, I needed to do, I must do the inadvisable and cross the yarns. I did it. I've done the bad Ghostbuster. I've crossed the streams. At each transition point between the front and back of the sock, I am switching which yarn is held in which hand. This is ensuring that the color that is supposed to be the background stays the background on the appropriate side. The issue I was having before I was doing this is that the fading into, it, it, it wasn't showing itself off the best at the back. And that's not really the look I was going for. I want this beautiful sock to be pretty in the front and the back and not have a muddy, muddled, discordant pattern because I'm taking the time to make it and I'm going to enjoy it, gosh darn it. But I am finding this to be good practice for the master hand knitting wristlet that I still need to knit because I know, I know, I am going to be asked all kinds of questions about yarn dominance in my level two submission. And that today brings us to the end of the road. Thanks for riding with me. The music welling up is Organ Rock, Classic Hard Rock by Julius H. And is used under a common license. Audio and emotional support by my brother Larry. Hi, everybody. You can find more of his work nowhere because he is an enthusiastic amateur. Show notes along with images, links to all of the places to find and support the show, as well as Everything else can be found on the website twowheelspodcast.com. Don't forget to join the Ravelry and Facebook groups and check out the Instagram at The Kickass Knitter. If you liked the episode, show some support. All pledges made on Patreon and Kofi support the show directly by covering the costs of things like platform fees. Supporters will also have access to episodes a little early, behind-the-scenes content, and the monthly video chat. If you would like to support the show in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. The next best thing is to leave a five-star review for the podcast. Leaving a positive review helps new people find the show. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, I'm revving for you. We're all in this together. Keep your wheels on the road. to the bone.